Hey guys, welcome along to the first episode of Lifting in Life with myself, Josh and Cam. So the purpose of the Lifting in Life podcast is to essentially use gymming as a foundational example of a framework and model that can be applied to other areas of your life. Um, so throughout the conversations, we will be talking about the gym quite a bit, but we do want to look at things a bit more broadly than just that. We obviously want to include, um, you know, multiple other avenues of life and how the structure that is developed through a gym routine can be applied to those other aspects of your life. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoy, Cam. Yep, that sums it up quite well. I just want to thank you for, for tuning in and listening to our first episode. We're very open to feedback because this is our very first time doing something like this. So I'm sure there's going to be some critical feedback which we're open to, but positive feedback too would also be really cool. Uh, towards the middle of this episode, the lights in the room that we're in automatically turned off. So there is a, a chunk that we cut out because it was just us trying to sort that out. So it might sound a little bit weird where there's a bit of a break, but it's because we're trying to sort the light situation out. But once again, thanks heaps for tuning in and I hope you enjoy it. So, I want to start that again because I accidentally cut it. <laughs> Why does this feel weird in the first yeah, time? I think it's just because it's a different environment, I yeah, reckon. Yeah. And to be fair, like this week, haven't really, I haven't been in the podcast like headspace. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, what are we even talking about today? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, all right, let's reset then. So we're going with transitioning to a gym lifestyle. No. Yeah, transitioning yeah. to a gym lifestyle. Let's kick off with that. All right, cool. Okay, so we're here today. Our main topic we want to obviously discuss is transitioning. Uh, to the gym lifestyle from not having been at the gym before to then having joined the gym. I guess we should probably do a couple of introductions as well. <laughs> um, Cameron, uh, I'm a personal trainer, I have been for the past few years. Um, I also work in corporate now. I've competed in a couple of bodybuilding shows a few years ago. And then this is Josh. So um, yeah, I've got a working career in financial crime. Um, former professional DJ, former professional alcoholic. Nice. Um, I've got my own uh, website launching soon that's going to be focused on discussion pieces that uh, discuss pretty much any array of topics really, um, particularly those surrounding human nature, you know, what what drives the behaviour that we engage in, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I definitely, I guess I would describe myself as having a slight antithesis to the the, the younger years structure that you've developed and that I used to live quite a hedonistic lifestyle and, mm. and together we create a, a bit of a yin-yang and appreciation for those different values. So. Yeah, yeah. so adding more to that, uh, I trained Josh, I trained you for a few years, um, oh, yeah, two, two and a half years maybe? Yeah, I reckon that'd be about right. As a client and before you started with me, you haven't gone to the gym at all. So I guess that's what kind of spurred this idea for the first session is actually discussing that transition between not having been to then starting at the gym. And I guess I was there when you first started and I think it's fair to say that you're a bit of a different person when you first started at the gym. Well, yeah, I mean, for one, I was, what, 19 kg severe, I think. Um, definitely had a beer belly. That was mm -hmm. the focus when I first went in. Um, but that, that you know, points out one of the the... the pertinent themes to me surrounding my gym lifestyle when it first kicked off was trying to create a, a, a synchronicity between my drinking persona and the, the now establishing gym persona that I was developing and just trying to uh, coordinate the two together because they were two effectively two entities that just absolutely hated each other so yeah it was pretty um it was a unique experience yeah can you just confirm that that's recording oh, yeah, sweet we're good that would have been annoying imagine if it wasn't 
So when you first well, we would have just been having a conversation then, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How awkward. Yeah, no, how awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you first started, what were some of the, uh, I guess, the biggest fears that you had, or the yeah, the preconception or the preconceived ideas, and more so fears that you had when you first started, or just beforehand? Um, well, I, I mean, I guess it was probably the. On a broad level, I would describe it as the intimidation factor. You know, when you're coming into a, a, a niche or, a, or a, I guess in some ways a clique that, you know, you don't really know anything about. Um, gymming can have a very laminated look to it from the outside, um, particularly, you know, particularly surrounding certain um, gym brands. Because you started off at a pretty big gym, I'd say they probably have like four or five thousand members. And it's like four or, five, four or five floors as well, you know? There's a lot of people that go there. Yeah. It's not a small local community gym where there's like a couple hundred members. Yeah. A small yeah. gym floor, like the one that you started at was a huge, huge chain as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, it was also a gym, you know, they had a lot of value and um, th their personal brand value was very much and that really kind of laminated, you know, highly positive customer greeting aesthetics, you know, aesthetics. <laughs> yes thank you that's exactly yeah, what i was looking yeah. for um and I, you know that can be a little bit intimidating when you're coming in and you're not you're not trim you're not in shape you're not on brand you're not on brand yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely but you know the, the more that you get into it the more you realize that there's a lot of people like yourself that are just trying to transition and they're just trying to find their place they're trying to find a way to feel comfortable but i guess coming back to your original question you know what were the the fears was um yeah i mean I think at a really broad level it goes back to you know the same phobia that we've all got you know since when we first went to primary school or whatever is that you know acceptance yeah you know knowing that you're you're feeling confident that you're not doing the wrong thing mm. that you're not going to step out of I think as a species we've had that fear for hundreds of thousands of years too it's a pretty normal thing you know if you don't fit in uh, you might not continue to live back in the day so yeah yeah absolutely and I think you know I say primary school but it's even before then you know mm. if I remember like kindergarten and all that kind of thing but when you have literally spent no time in that environment and you're then in your adult um, age demographic you I think I think that the, the, the fear becomes a little bit heightened because you have the sense around by looking around you you know everyone curates their brand whether it be through social media or in real life um, you know it comes back to the clothes that we choose to wear and all that kind of thing and there is this kind of uh, ongoing flow of um, anxiety surrounding you know the way that we view others and seeing that they've fully established themselves mm. and they've, they've become the best version of themselves yeah. or whatever and the gym you, is, at least before you get to know things deeper you you see them that way yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that comes back to the the way that you scope yourself as well the way that you view yourself and knowing that you're measuring yourself by the thoughts that you have rather mm. than the the external per, per, uh, perception that others have of you yeah. um, so there's an irony to that but I guess you know that that feeling gets a little bit heightened in adult life because you just assume that, I guess the, I, w I would describe the gym as being the pinnacle of that. You know, you see a group of people there that look like they've very much got their shit together and yeah. they've been doing this for years. You think, you think that they know what they're doing too because they're moving this weight in some sort of way, they're doing something, you assume that they know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that I mean, can create a bit of fear as well. Like, oh shit, how are they gonna think that I'm doing this? You know, am I doing this wrong? Like, what if I look silly while I'm doing this? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, coming back to that theme of, you know, what other, what other uh, thought patterns that drive our behaviors, you know, even now that I've been gymming for, what, three years or whatever, I still have moments where, you know, through the training that I've got from myself, 
I understand, you know, form and physique and all that kind of thing. And I see people there that, you know, are very much not, you know, exercising with good form, yeah. you know, in a very unsafe manner. But their confidence, yeah, you know, it's, it throws me. You think that outweighs their technique? Oh, oh but they look good doing it, though. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And like you know, they just seem so confident and so um, you know, completely certain that you know what they're doing is, is right and all that. And it, it mm. kind of makes me realise that you know, coming back to that original question of you know, what was it that you feared, and and, and now sort of acknowledging that you know, I did fear very much this potential um, feeling that these people knew what they were doing, yeah. I realised a lot of it actually came down to that. Yeah. Almost. You feel like a bit of an outsider almost when you're coming in. Like they all have their, their shit together like you're saying, but you're coming in not knowing what to do. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a bit of a fear of uh, standing out too, I suppose. A hundred percent, but I, I guess what I was driving at there was that there's an illusionary confidence surrounding that that yeah. fuels that perception. Yeah. You know, um, and what, once you sort of cotton onto that and you, you learn like any other kind of niche or whatever that you know there are always going to be people that are i guess a little bit cocky a little bit arrogant or whatever and you, you end up gelling with the people whose values you resonate with you know you start more aligned with and that's in any context like even in like a corporate environment you know in an office they're still going to get those personality types it just happens to be in the gym space yeah 100 percent. and you know the more you are in there the more comfortable you're going to be and you know the the, the question that you asked me at the start there you know quite unique timing it comes back to a conversation i was having last night with a very good friend of mine when i was expressing a bit of anxiety surrounding the um the website that i'm going to be launching soon and uh her response was that she believes that you know this is an unfamiliar path to me and yeah. with a path that's unfamiliar you will have a wide variation of responses but some of the more common ones is you know self-doubt yeah. imposter syndrome lack of confidence, anxiety, that kind of thing, you know, and I'll be, I could tickle those yeah. boxes. Describe it as a bit of chaos almost, right? Something different, like throwing yourself into a bit of chaos that's not the norm for you or the, the routine. Yeah, absolutely. But you, the, the strange thing is, you know, on an objective level, that this is absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. You've just got these kind of ego-driven fear responses. That logic really versus emotion, up. right? Yeah, like logically, yeah. this is a really good decision and this could like take me further to where I want to be, but emotionally, you're like, oh, I'm putting myself out there. Yeah, and then you've got to be cautious because that, that emotional driver can... Do you end up then engaging in self-sabotage? You know, yeah. You've got to really watch yourself. You've got to really be careful about you know the kind of behaviours you engage in around that time because you're in uncharted territory. Yeah. That's what's so scary. And I think that the, the gym can be that for a lot of people. Mm. It's like... You're walking into this very daunting um, environment that's completely unique and alien to. At the same time, you're engaging a life path that um, you haven't engaged before. It's unfamiliar and, and positive that, too. Yeah, and that positivity yeah, yeah. creates that ego response yeah. that drives a lot of fear. Yeah. So, so when you first started, what were some things that you, um, or I suppose we, implemented that helped you feel more comfortable in the gym and part two to that question how long did it take before you felt more comfortable in the gym um definitely the open conversation between you and i um on a reasonably regular basis made things you know feel a lot easier um expectation management would be one of the themes i've described there so yeah. you know the first thing that we did when we met i remember as we sat down and had a coffee and you were kind of like all right well you know on an extremely broad level, you don't have to worry about specifics, but on an extremely broad level, what, what are your goals here kind of thing. And um, and from there we just started chatting about, you know, what level of expectation I can have surrounding those goals, you know, how long certain things are going to take, um, how to view 
certain days that might feel like failures, mm -hmm. you know, and learning to look at them more as learning curves and learning experiences rather than failures, which is, you know, cliche, but very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, definitely having a personal trainer show you the equipment and show you how to use it properly. Because they look like weird apparatus, some of them, when you first look at them. And they, cause they generally have those, like, little, like, sticker, like, posters on them yeah. to show you how to do it and what muscle group it's targeting. But it's very non-specific and non-explanatory yeah so i could see how looking at a gym equipment would be quite intimidating well absolutely yeah and i think you know there was those stickers that you're talking about they're kind of designed for someone that thinks at the halfway point mm. you know like it's not the first time they've seen a gym but they also still don't really know what they're doing yeah so you've got some kind of skeleton they've background feet in the water before yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but like to someone that's still trying to work out their anxiety around this whole unique environment mm. It's still quite foreign. Yeah. So having someone there to kind of interpret that for you, I mean, I believe it's essential. You know, I think um, we've had a conversation before around. I can't recall if it was uh, if it was you that had this experience with someone, or if I'm just mis misremembering. It was me that had this experience. But what I do remember is that there was someone that um, we were speaking with who said that he hadn't been to the gym enough yet to get a personal trainer. Oh yeah, well I've heard that quite a few times where people say that. Um, I guess it's a bit of a tangent from my question before, but that's okay. Um, that people don't feel like they're fit enough or uh, in shape enough to have a personal trainer. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like they feel like they're not, um, they're missing some sort of foundational knowledge that gives them the, the, the key to open that door to a personal trainer. And it's like, well, that personal trainer actually is the key, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre mindset. But look, circling back to the original question though, because you know, we do like our tangents. Mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, I mean, just having those kind of support frameworks and having that, that conduit there, you know, it did ultimately make things feel a lot more comfortable. Um, I also started engaging um, with others who had only been going a year or two. So I, I was engaging two different channels at the same time. So there was the people that I knew personally who were friends that I worked with in the office and you know a lot of us would go to the gym at lunchtime and stuff like that so we'd create dialogue yeah. and that dialogue I found really really helpful. Um, it would get you out of your own head and you'd start like picking up little tidbits of mm. information. Um, I also started engaging the social media stuff which can go you know one of two ways really yeah. which um, we can come back to but uh, ma mainly I found it quite contaminating. It was yeah. there was just too much information it was just overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but I guess in terms of feeling comfortable, yeah, I reckon it was probably around three or four months. I reckon mm. I started to really feel like I picked up a rhythm. And if I think about the other things I've achieved in life, you know, like just learning to play the guitar, um, learning to mix drum and bass. Um, starting a new workplace. Starting a new <laughs> yeah. workplace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, your impatience can really... Uh, push you in a negative way yeah. you know you're like oh, i want to be good at this now i want to be good yeah. at this now but you've got to realize that those small incremental days that you know you might feel as if they're not counting towards anything are actually part of the cascading yeah. process still stacking up to adding yeah. towards that progress yeah so i guess looking at it in a more sort of granular way some things that we put in place for you or some advice that i remember giving to you at the beginning was things like just exposing yourself to the environment in the easiest way possible, which is like just jumping on a cardio on the cardio equipment for half an hour or an hour, just to familiarise yourself with the environment, and also 
uh, get you into that routine of coming in. So you might come into the gym three days a week, but you're only sitting on the bike or you're walking on the treadmill, but at least you're getting familiar and getting into that routine of adding in the gym into your uh, into your habits. Yeah, 100%. And I actually thought about that, I think, a year or two later. I didn't realize how much you were manipulating me. Yeah, <laughs> it's pure manipulation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, in a, you know, obviously in a positive way, but having that kind of daily feel of being in that environment. Mm. Um, if I think back to that first kind of six months, I reckon like on about week two or three, there was a moment where I felt myself. So if you're walking towards an environment that you've never been in before, you'll find yourself really consciously preparing for it. Like mm. on, on, you're on, already imagining that you're there. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're imagining some really <laughs> bizarre scenarios. Like, okay, how am I going to greet that person? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hi, uh, how are you? Uh, yeah. Do I shake their hand? Yeah. Do I go for the, oh, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Bold, yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm oh, just so sorry. not happy. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. I think that um, once you've fallen into more of a, a kind of developed, uh, habitualness mm. you don't think that consciously about it yeah. anymore you kind of you walk towards that environment and you're you're not even really thinking about it mm. before you know it you're kind of in it and it envelops you and then suddenly oh I'm here now you know yeah. it's not as consciously on mind and yeah. that started slowly happening I think within I don't know you maybe about three yeah, three or four weeks yeah. um, there was still obviously a lot of discomfort and a lot of you know anxiety that you're working through and you, you know developing that comfort but yeah, I definitely felt those those motions of I'm more familiar with this now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I see that when you're trying to um, change your lifestyle or it's a habit change, it's also minimizing the amount of barriers that you encounter as possible. You know, so the first a large barrier that you can encounter is the complexity of the gym and the gym equipment. So if you take away that barrier for the first few weeks and you just go jump on a treadmill and press the go button and increase the speed, that's taken a large barrier out of it. Yeah. So in terms of you actually going to the gym, if we remove those barriers and you're more likely to increase it and in your frequency and also make it more of a habit. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I think that the habit thing is just so essential. You yeah. don't kind of realize um, how powerful, I think we were talking about this, you know, just earlier on this afternoon, like yeah. it, it really does craft a, um, a pattern and a path. I suppose yeah. that's the, the very nature of what habit is, but in terms of its critical importance to something like developing a, a, a healthy routine with gymming or, or some other kind of maybe a mindfulness focused project or yeah. something that's surrounding, um, the, the theme of personal growth yeah. and positive development, development yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and you know one thing I've reckoned with particularly coming from a, a background of alcoholism is that you you develop negative habits where so I've, I've, I've had this um, way of describing negativity and positivity to to good friends of mine and that is that the the fundamental difference between the two is that negativity will happen without effort. Yeah, but we're more sensitive to negativity than positivity. That's like almost the default option is to be negative or pessimistic. Yeah. Way easier than trying to talk yourself into doing something. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and, which is quite strange, whereas with positivity, you've got to work it's for effort, it. It's an effort, man. You've, it's a real yeah. effort. So when it comes to your negative and positive habits, mm. they're absolutely the same thing. You know, like a negative habit, like you know, drinking every night after work or, or um, staying up really late when you've got to yeah. get up early the next morning, you know, yeah. things like that will happen with no effort It's whatsoever. almost like if you wanted to get real um, deep with it, it's like the, 
the, the seven deadly sins almost. You know, like sloth and things like that. Those are almost like really easy things to default to. And they're always going to be sort of sitting there a little bit. But if you're able to, uh, I suppose, triumph those in some way, you're going to benefit a lot more from them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it, it, any kind of um, growth is always going to be challenging and mm. feel difficult. So coming back to that statement of, you know, benefiting from from, from challenging those kind of darker things mm. it's going to feel infinitely more difficult but it's going to have more longevity to it yeah and it's going to be more universally positive in your growth mm. process you know so um yeah coming back to the to the to the theme of you know developing those habits when you are going to the gym yes you are going to find it challenging it's going to be it's going to be the um the positive habit development um opposition to the negative habit development yeah. which as we've said, is a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it's a default option, and yeah. it's just easily described as your comfort zone too. Yeah, you know, we love having a comfort zone because it's easy. You know, and it's an easy thing to default to. You don't really have to think about anything. You're not like trying to challenge yourself at all. You're not going against the grain. But when you're trying to in- introduce something like the gym, that's why reducing the amount of barriers, like the complexity of using the equipment for the first month means that at least before you go there's one less thing that's going to deter you from going and then so that's a barrier that's removed yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and i think you also kind of looking at it on a um on a driver level you know like so we've talked about habit and routine and you know using those as your tools to to develop into that lifestyle Mm. but what's the next level above that what's driving those and and then that could be something as simple as like it's simply an energy that's driving those you know and again with with the negativity side of things, it's always going to be a little bit easier. You just fall into it without even really giving it thought. But once you realise that does still require uh, a replenishment of energy mm. to drive that negative behaviour, you can sort of try and try and stem back and think, okay, well, if it starts there, how do I how do I rejuncture that over mm. into the into the positive element? And that simply comes down to repetition yep. and you know knowing yourself, knowing. Um, what you're going to respond to, finding your own groove and all that kind of thing. But absolutely for the first few weeks, you're going to find it quite difficult with developing that habit, you know, making yourself get up early every morning to go to go um, engage in your routine, you yeah. know, preparing your meals and for whatever your kind of groove is. But the, the, the bonus is, like the negative habits, once you've been doing it for, you know, three or four weeks, it then is its habit. Yeah. You know, you don't have to think about it consciously anymore the same way you do when I was talking about walking to that foreign environment yeah it's suddenly you're just in the yeah and you don't encounter as many barriers so there's less things to deter you from going but I also think if we were to uh, extrapolate over a further period of time if you engage in negative uh, or not the opposite to self-improvement you know (laughs) if you're just working that was the most diplomatic way (laughs) if you're just working going home and you're not really doing much that might feel um, good or gratifying in the short term, but the the long term gratification you do from actually challenging yourself, I think, just like heavily, heavily outweighs the short term like gratification of feeling good doing things that are easy and sticking in your comfort zone. Absolutely, I mean it's more sustainable to your own um, health, mm. but it's also more um, universally armoring. And what I mean by that is with you know, short-term, um, whether it be short-term pleasures or, or short-term kind of negative habits that you've got or whatever, they are very short-term and you're going to just move on to the next one. 
you know, quite quickly, you know, mm. um, with the sort of more long-term positive habits that you've developed, not only are they going to be more resilient and harder to unplug, they're also going to be more of a, a skeletal fallback for who you are as a person and what your identity is and all that kind of thing. And so when you're going through rough times in your life, um, it could be a breakup or, you, you know, you've lost your job or something like that, you've got this foundational fallback that's going to um, help capture you and carry you through those moments as opposed to those short-term negative habits like getting pissed to try and yeah. forget about the issue and all that kind of thing. Which you might feel good for a few hours on the Saturday night where you're sort of still on the come up, you know, when you're drinking, but the next day you wake up and you're not feeling too good. Oh, I think we can acknowledge it with a bit more hyperbole than that. It feels yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 dance party. Setting the mood. <laughs> Hello. Oh, this is fun. Okay, we're back in business. We're back in business. Business. <laughs> So after that little interlude, teething issues, mate. There's always going to be teething issues. That's right. Yeah. So I think we're on the topic of like you know long-term positive habits versus short-term. So long-term gratification over short-term gratification. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So you know it's interesting that that comes up because you know one of the things that I've been working on with with the website I'm developing is you know because it's going to be a, a channel for me to to get a lot of my writing and ideas out there. Recording. And, and <laughs> yep. yeah, we're sorry. recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be, you know, to, to get my writing and ideas out there. And, and I see that as being more of a, um, a long-term positive venture for myself. Mm. Um, whereas with the previous hobbies that I had, well, the primary one was DJing. Yep. This is going back a few years now, but, you know, if I compare that to that kind of, you know, long-term sustainable kind of lifestyle, DJing was very much a short-term pleasure burst uh, thing for me, yeah. and lately I've been reflecting on it a lot, and I sort of look back at it as, um, as uh, you know, I, I would crash down on the other side quite quite quickly. So it's almost like if we had a flat line, you know, like when they're taking your your heart rate, and there's a lot of spikes and troughs. Would you say that there was a lot of spikes in that, but also like you went below the flat line a lot too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, and I'm not there yet, but like my awareness of mental health management, um, particularly being someone that, you know, has quite a, um, a major depression streak, um, it, it does need to be approached in a more uh, long-term sustainable way. Yeah. So coming back to that primary thing we're discussing, but at that, you know, part, part of that, um, I guess, personality trait is that I can be quite explosive and passionate at times, but then you do get that crash down on the other side. So DJing felt quite, uh, I guess, um, on brand for that style because it was like this explosive kind of performance was it element. Cathartic? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing that broke my heart about sort of moving away from it was it was very, you know, it helped me get a lot of things out. You know, I used to get anxiety before playing, and I would let that anxiety feed my performance. Mm -hmm. You know, you you learn to tap the energy and and all that kind of thing, but it just wasn't sustainable in a long term way, and that's, you know coming back to the original um to, to the original topic you know that's very much what i see uh as being more applicable when you are developing a gym lifestyle or you know mindfulness mental health management you know mm. uh, physical improvement you know all that kind of thing mm. so i was listening to uh, a jordan peterson podcast this morning and he talked about how a lot of our happiness stems from having an aim or a target like a goal for instance and seeing ourselves make progress towards that goal 
and so it's not necessarily the attainment that brings the happiness or the gratification it's actually seeing those uh, small wins going towards that gratification because it's cool when we get there to our goal but then we're at this point where we're like okay uh, we've got to reset and we've got to make another goal yeah so that's how i see the gym brings a lot of positivity in your life because every session especially if like you're tracking your sessions and stuff and you have like a strength goal or i don't know any any kind of goal and you're seeing yourself make progress towards that can bring a lot of a lot of happiness yeah absolutely and you're going to be more satisfied if you have that kind of model in your life as well um coming back to that kind of short-term pleasure burst followed by a crash down um example i was using i would feel the same when i looked at things from a scope of all right that's my goal um you know i'm not really thinking too much about the incremental movement along the way i've just got the goal and then once that it was achieved there would be a crash down a, a yeah. week or two later um I see that in the way I've approached certain personal projects now as well. Um, like like the writing I'm engaging in at the moment, it's it's more beneficial to look at it as one ongoing traction. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've worked with people in a in a um, in a professional nine to five capacity on projects who are very much viewed it as only focused on the um, the one single thing yeah, yeah. on the yield yeah, yeah yeah and you know i can see that they're infinitely more dissatisfied than the people within the project mm. setting that are looking at it more from um you know celebrating those incremental movements along the way and knowing mm. that it is part of a a larger body and the process yeah, yeah yeah i think that you are going to set yourself up for a little bit of um a little bit of a crash down if yeah. you're only focused on that one sort of factor and and you you'll need to quickly bounce to mm. the next to the next um thing really really mm. quickly and in terms of the gym i think that can be very applicable when uh you can be easily dissatisfied with the lack of results you get in the short term you know someone starts at the gym in the first two months you know they haven't seen any physical change or the scales haven't moved or something that can be immensely dissatisfied and i've seen a lot of friends and clients sort of go through that cycle but i think having a a longer term mindset with it you can bring much more happiness than trying to get this like instant gratification of like well i've started at the gym and i haven't made any progress yet it's been a month already yeah you know but it's taken you maybe a 30 when you join the gym so it's taken that whole time for you to get to that point where you are like either overweight or unfit or whatever it is that uh, where you're at when you start at the gym and then setting those expectations uh, unrealistically can bring a lot of negative emotion I reckon yeah and, and, and identifying like you, you know it's interesting you say that the idea of viewing those days where you feel like you're not getting anywhere haven't actually contributed to the to the to the overall project yeah. you know if, if we want to call yeah. it a project <laughs> um, they, they, they they've they've well yeah it's like a work yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> let's yeah. go all that way yeah, if we're, yeah, yeah. we're going to go down that path yeah. but, but no it, it, it very much does um have a negative impact if you don't kind of view those days through the right scope and you know coming back to the to the example of of djing i would have days where i was practicing and practicing and feel like i was getting absolutely nowhere and it would be frustrating, you know, it'd be, um, I was playing vinyl at the time, so you'd have like, you know, two vinyl Physical records, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get really, really frustrated. Um, but then, you know, it could be after two weeks, could be after three weeks, could be after, even after a couple of months or whatever, you would have this like, you'd just have an absolute smash out mm. session. Um, and now I've found myself having that similar experience with the gym, well, to start with anyway, you know, I had those days again where I didn't think I was getting anywhere and then every sort of, 
few weeks or a couple of months, I would have a, a smash out session. And once I sort of stood back from it, I realized that those days are just as important as, you know, they're just, you know, several dominoes along that mm. wider piece. It's almost like there's something going on in the background. You know, when you try and think of someone's name or, or something that doesn't quite come to you and then like in the middle of the night or at a random time it comes to you it's like there's something working in the background yeah so even if like superficially on the surface level you can't uh witness progress being made there's still uh, incremental gains that are coming from those sessions 100 percent. i think your your mind on whether it be on a conscious level or a subconscious level either way it's ticking along in one avenue and or the other at all times yes yeah. is identifying patterns yeah it's picking things up with again whether you consciously realize it or not um just comes down to your experience and the, and the way you're kind of scoping your progress but um a recent experience would be when i was um structuring the website that i'm working on together there were a few um photo concept, concepts that i came up for um a certain section of the site and the concept didn't work out the way that i really pictured it in my head and it was kind of disappointing that at the same time, um, I was with a very good friend of mine who was um, helping me in this process, and she she was saying that you know that's that's part of the process. Yeah. Those are, those days are just as critical, um, if not more so, to the overall body. So that's even like us doing this podcast right now. We've we've talked about it for a while, but then we got to the point where we've had the discussions of like just actually starting. Yeah. It's not until you actually start doing something that you really start to gain a lot of learnings from it. It can be scary, the thought of starting something new or doing something you haven't done before, but it's not until you actually start it, especially like a creative endeavor or like a YouTube or a podcast or something like this. It's not until you actually start it that you realize like, okay, I need to change this or maybe I could do this. You know, you can only do so much thinking and theory and planning before you just need to do it and see how it turns out. Which is probably another thing to um, point out surrounding, you know, if you are looking at, you know, transitioning into a gym lifestyle or, mm. or some kind of exercise orientated lifestyle, is that, you know, I know a lot of people that have, have entered into, let's say they've entered into the idea of it. Mm. They haven't actually entered into it yet. They're, they're entertaining the, yeah, the yeah. idea. And, and, and I can see what they're doing and I can see it because I've done it myself. Yeah. So I don't mean there's, there's any kind of critical judgment, <laughs> but, but they're, they're, you know, structuring everything in a theoretical manner, you know, like, um, uh, you know, how's their, how's their diary going to work with this? You know, how are they going to structure their day? Um, they're going to write down, okay, I'm going to do that there now when this happens, I'm going to do this here. They, this is the ideal scenario. Yeah, 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 buy yeah. This is, I'm going to buy this now, yeah. I need that, I need the, the next thing, whatever. And then a part of me is like, have you, when are you actually just going to you yeah. know, jump in and do it? Yeah. And that first, um, the, oh, sorry, that first sort of series of um, engagements is, is critical. So yeah. That's when you realise a lot of the theory might not have been... Um, might not have actually worked as well as you know, it doesn't imagined. match up yeah. with the practical and that's yeah. we're, speaking of business buzzwords you know we were talking about talking about it before we started the session you know agile being agile being agile yeah, yeah absolutely and you know that's that's my jam you know yeah. it's absolutely about like creating this you know loose structure you know maybe a level two above loose you know yeah. somewhere moderate in the middle we've considered the variables at hand yeah and yeah. you but you've essentially attached a value and a um a prerequisite or a condition to that structure that is 
once the practical elements are in play, we respond in real time. Yeah. We adapt to that new information and then we change the structure yeah. accordingly. We don't get frustrated that the theoretical plan isn't uh, being adhered to or isn't actually possible. Yeah, I mean, that's bureaucracy. Yeah. That's just painstaking yeah. bureaucracy. And, you know, in both my uh, professional life and in my personal life, I see people that operate with that model and it's just... It's got an absence of common sense, you know, it's got an absence of adaptability. Yeah. Um, I think that absorbing that information in real time, mm. once you're engaging the practical elements, is, is, is fundamental. And, um, you know, particularly coming back to the, to the primary topic here, transitioning to a gym lifestyle, yeah. it, it's absolutely critical in, in, in that development. Yeah. You know? So in the practical sense of transitioning into a gym lifestyle, an example like that could be, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym next week on Monday or whatever is a classic. I'm going to start on Monday. And you might think, okay, I work from 8.30 to 5 p.m. So that means I'm going to train after work because I'm not a morning person. I'm going to train after work, get there by 5.30, finish at 6.30. But then you realize that maybe your commute from uh, work to the gym actually takes longer than 30 minutes or maybe one evening you're held up at work so it takes you longer, you're not there at 5.30 or, and experiencing those sort of barriers over a couple of weeks, it could be quite disheartening. And then because you're not making it to the gym like you had planned, so you're gonna to have to adapt and be agile to maybe changing your sleeping routines or your sleeping patterns and go before the gym, before work instead. Yeah. That's not saying like, oh, this gym thing isn't working for me, I can never make it, just I'm always running late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to go twice a week after work and it never works out. So, oh, well, I'll throw in the towel. Maybe you actually go to sleep a little bit earlier, wake up a little bit earlier and get it in before you go to work. Or maybe even though you didn't want to do Saturday mornings, maybe you actually drag your butt to the gym on a Saturday morning and get it in then. Yeah. Yeah. Rather yeah. than just saying the gym isn't working. Yeah. And, and that's something you hear people talk about a lot when they're trying to encourage you to engage that lifestyle as priority. Yeah. You know, is it on your priority map? You know, I just you... think your goals have to be greater than your comfort zone. Yeah. You know, we were talking about comfort zone earlier. And if your goals are greater than your comfort zone, you've got to make it happen somehow. Yeah. You, know, yeah, you, you, you can't have the lifestyle that you're having right now and then also get some sort of positive results out of going to the gym. You know, you're going to have to sacrifice your in your routine somewhere. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, th I think having a mindset is critical to, having the right mindset is critical when achieving that with the example that you've used about those, those mornings that might not go your way. Um, for, you know, at the highest level, I think you've just got to be prepared to acknowledge that things are always, there's always going to be anomalies, there's always yeah. going to be something that you can't anticipate. Yeah. Traffic's going to be real bad, or like, you know, yeah. something can happen, yeah. Yeah, or you know, who knows, something bad yeah. might happen the night before and you don't get a good sleep, yeah. and then it's Forget not Forget all your gym gear in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just random stuff can happen. All kinds of things, and like, you know, coming back to that, uh, you know, that agile structure. Mm. Yeah. Agility. Agility. Um, you respond and adapt to that in real time yeah. you know i mean I, I think it's probably worth acknowledging that absolutely there's going to be moments where you're just like you yeah. know completely frustrated you know you don't need to like I'm, I'm not even going to bother with this anymore yeah. you know let, let yourself feel that for you know a minute or two yeah. and then just sort of you know pull it back to the basics and go okay well look this has happened now yeah. how do i kind of maneuver around this yeah. you know and that sort of also relates to uh, your your motivation to be going to the gym has to be coming from you as well. 
you know, if, if you're trying to get that motivation from an external source, like a personal trainer, you know, it's not going to be as deep as if you actually want to do it. You know, if you're only seeing your PT once a week or once a fortnight, but you, in your plan, you have to go to the gym four times a week, what are you going to do in those other three days? You know, you, it actually has to come from within you as well to want to be there and want to achieve those goals that you've set up for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, does that desire outweigh the, I guess, the, um, those anomalies that do get thrown yeah. away? You know, yeah. have you got that at the, the highest governing level? Mm. You know, if you were to view it from a, a, a kind of a, a professional project, you know, what, what are your guiding values? Mm. You know, what are your guiding principles? Yeah. You know, and, you know, keeping those simple and making sure that they do take precedent above that, you know, anomalous, you know, unpredictable sort mm. of uh, curveballs that get thrown your way, then, you know, you, you're going to be on the right path. Mm. When I was thinking about us doing this chat, another idea that I came up with, or I was just trying to um, come up with questions that people would have or that people have asked me before starting at the gym. Because I started at the gym when I was like 13 or 14, so I don't really recall that transitioning phase um, so much as I would maybe if I started when I was like in my 20s or something. So one question I feel like would come up is super granular, but what are some things like practical things that you took along with you to the gym or found useful taking to the gym when you started, you know, like headphones, what kind of shoes would you take? Would you take a sweat towel? Would you take a drink bottle? What do you yeah. wear? Like really granular things like that. Well, I guess feeding on from what we were talking about previously, you know, obviously just jump in and sort of yeah. respond to, uh, the uh, the environment dynamic as it develops. Like you wear your jeans to a leg day, you realise that jeans are yeah, and then change day. change that yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But <laughs> as far as as far as what I found personally really helpful, like oh headphones is uh, an absolute must. Yes. You know, and good headphones. Yeah, these well. overhead headphones or like earphones. So I've had ongoing debates around that. It yeah. depends what you're focusing on. So yeah. um, for weights. Um, I think over ears is, is fine. Yeah. Um, for running, I understand that over ears, depending on the model, can be a little bit frustrating because like too hot too. Well, yeah, as you're bouncing yeah. up, you get that oh, sound yeah, as well. But yeah, yeah. also because you're not you're not getting as much um, you're not venting. Airflow. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I mean headphones critical, hundred percent as far as shoes go. Like just something really basic and you know, try, I guess try not to overthink it too much. Yeah. And I like, always say like when people ask what kind of shoes you should wear to the gym. I just say something like Converse's or because they're cheap, they're flat, they don't like, I describe running shoes and stuff as marshmallow shoes. Yeah. Like they just may be good for walking and running for that comfort, but for stability when you're doing something like a squat, a deadlift, anything like that, real bad stability. Yeah. So I think something that's super flat, really minimal was a good idea and the Converse is that to a T and it's cheap. Like you can go like, I wear a New Balance sort of minimalist type shoe but that's probably like twice the price as a Converse. So starting out, I would say something super flat, super simple. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think it was probably six six to 12 months after starting things out, I remember um, moving into wearing Converse's because I got told about the whole flat, yeah. the flat, whole flat sole thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think just responding to the little things you pick yeah. up as you go along and what do you feel most confident in and most comfortable in as well. Yeah. Um, do you wear like stubbies and like a stringer singlet or I, you know I want to yeah. but I just can't do it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want yeah. to but I just don't want yeah. to you know what is yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no I mean I think 
try. I, I think it's important not to focus on things like yeah. that too much as well. Yeah. You know, you do see a lot of people there that is very much a. Um, I mean, what what do you call it? It's like brand bashing, like yeah. the Lululemon Club, the the Nike. The, yeah, but uh, but also like it's um, it's exhibition exhibitionism. Yeah, it's true. You, you know what I mean? Like catwalk. Yeah, they're kind of standing in the way of you as you're trying to maneuver yeah. around. So I mean, I mean, everyone's got their place here, and I, I try yeah. and hold no judgment, mm. but and stay true and sincere to your own motivations. Yeah. But I do see a bit of that, and I kind of go, man, do, do you? I can imagine that there'd be a lot more hang-ups if mm. that's your value in terms of what you're taking yeah. and what you're wearing and yeah. you know the the most important thing is that and, and that, that you know this has been on my mind a lot lately because of the because of the website I'm developing and because of the podcast that we're working through as well it's you know it's the content that should yeah. be driving it more than anything yeah and it's the same when it comes to you know you trying to establish a, a gym routine or, or a um, you know, physical development or whatever. Like not getting hung up on the small details. Like when you're yeah. building a website, it's like, oh, should this be blue or should this be like kind of a dark blue? Oh, man. And you like yeah. haven't even come up with the name of your website or something yet, you know? Yeah. Or you don't even know what the content's going to be and you're like, should my font be this one or this one? Yeah, yeah and I get it, you know, yeah. as I've been developing it, I've kind of found my, myself um, thinking that way every mm. now and then. I've managed yeah. to pull myself back quite yeah. a bit. You do when it's yours, when it's your thing that you're developing. Yeah. Um, it could be internal or external. Yeah. Either way, it feels immeasurably personal, mm. and so that that crafting of it is is kind of it, it can feel quite weighted. Yeah. You know, you do really get stuck in the kind of operational development of it because mm. you want it to be absolutely sincere and reflective yeah, of your yeah, values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I understand that. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah. But I think that the the heart of it, you know, w without the heart, the, the rest of the body can't function, you yeah. know. And that heart is your content, yeah. you know, and, and the, or your your development, you know, yeah. depending on whether it's something external you're developing yeah. or yourself. Um, that has to be the, the, the biggest driver there. Yeah. If you get hung up on those surrounding details, those surrounding yeah. kind of um, granular things, yeah, yeah you're going to... Uh, I've done that before as well. You know, I have gone through my, my period in life where I did do that and it was, um, it's just exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and you encountered too many barriers to actually take any action. Yeah. You know, and bring it right back to uh, what I take to the gym, if we're <laughs> looping it back there. I just wear shorts, t-shirt, shoes, socks, headphones, drink bottle, and then my notebook. Yeah. You know, and depending, you know, if it's a leg day, I'll take like knee sleeves and like a weight belt and like maybe some straps or something for doing some uh, deadlifts or something like that. But I think when you start out, I would just go like either shorts or track pants, depending on what you feel most comfortable in, a t shirt, headphones, water bottle, and like just some flat shoes. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. again, just keep it simple yeah. way. And don't. And brands and shit like that doesn't matter. You know, I think people can easily get caught up. And I, I get it. Like, it feels good. And it short in the short term, it does feel motivating to go to the gym when you got It grooms a, your ego a little when bit. When you got a slick yeah. new t shirt or something or some yeah, new yeah. shoes, like, man, I can't wait to wear these at the gym. But that wears out super fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it is a bit of a delicate balance because to be fair, there are like avenues in life that do. 
Okay, so if we're focusing on the kind of vanity thing, for example, like I'm wearing a pair of shoes I only brought this week. Yeah. And like, every... they do look good, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We, we can't quite yeah. get that in yeah. the scene, but you know, yeah. we'll, yeah. Put, we'll yeah. put a still yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet yeah. yeah. on the desk. That's yeah, yeah. the thumbnail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like, I was thinking about it on my way here because, you know, I kind of forget. I'm wearing them, yeah. and I'm looked out at my feet yeah. as I'm driving, and I'm like, yeah. man, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of, you just feel nicer. Yeah. You know, you do. Well, you well, feel... I bought a new phone. I went from an iPhone 6S to iPhone 12 Pro. And like, even now, like, I've had my phone for a few months, but every time I use it, I'm like, man, this is such a good phone. <laughs> yeah. you know? So I guess it depends on the, the, uh, the, the price of it and how much stuff you have. Like, I don't really buy that much stuff, so me buying that's quite a big deal. Yeah. But you can't in terms of the gym just keep uh, using that commodity uh, drive to keep you motivated to go to the gym you know yeah. it's got to be deeper than that. I hardly ever buy any new gym gear and that's probably the thing that I wear and like chuck through the washing machine the most but I think at first it feels good to buy new stuff like that but you can't rely on that as one of your sole drivers you know? yeah absolutely um, and for you your content's on point yeah. you know coming yeah. back to that kind of that primary what i believe should be your primary mm. value um so that's it, kind of as that content you know produces a greater yield as well it's going to be easier for you to keep those i guess more um uh you know material items in the peripheral yeah. you know you, your heart is, is, is the heart of the actual product is getting more strength and yeah. more and the, and the progress of uh, making physical or even mental change within the gym. Yeah, it's not the catwalk like show off your new Lululemon shorts or something. <laughs> what have you got? What's going on with Lululemon? Uh, I think it's just like <laughs> Les Mills and Lululemon is just like yeah. I don't know, go hand in hand for me. Uh, I can see well, that. Maybe actually. it's just a Wellington thing. I don't know, like people running on the waterfront and like Lululemon gear. Yeah, I get it, but at the same time, it's just super expensive and unnecessary. But that's yeah, right. yeah, I do. It's probably worth acknowledging though that like you know. I do get it. It's oh, not. It's not my. It's not my yeah. driver. It's yeah. not my. It's not my um, motivation. Yeah. But you know, coming back to what you were saying, you're about having your phone. You, you kind of forget you've got your phone, and you pull it out, and you're like, mm. "Oh, this is badass." Yeah. I can. What would be the best way to describe this? I feel like I can understand the addiction mm. to that. Yeah. You know, it must be quite a polished sort of feel, but yeah. it does. Um, you know, I won't get too deeply down this path because it's its whole own topic. Um, I think that you are engaging in what I would almost describe as distraction. Mm. You know, like you're actually distracting yourself away from from that um, from that core content and that core substance or whatever. Mm. And you end up, you know, those are material things that can, you know, really peel back in value over time. And yeah. you know, what's if they were to suddenly disappear? You know, where's your um, where is your content yeah. sitting at that time? Yeah. You know, is it going to be? substantial and resilient enough to carry you through that period coming you know similar to what i was saying really when you're going through that rough period as your foundational strength you know enough to kind of carry you through it with um with greater resilience yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not to completely contradict myself here i just had a thought that i would rather it's buy... all right we're human we lose <laughs> yeah. things or i we would realize rather... things two minutes yeah. later yeah. i would rather spend more money on decent gym gear that won't um deteriorate quickly than spending less money on like lower quality stuff you know so i'd rather have i wouldn't but lululemon for instance is real good quality stuff and quite expensive i'd rather have a few t-shirts and a couple of pairs of shorts of that that's going to last me a long time 
then spend like less money on shorts and t-shirt that is going to deteriorate more quickly so i'm going to have to buy it again exactly yeah but i guess coming back to the to the, to the primary topic here of transitioning to a gym lifestyle that's starting to learn over time yeah yeah you know, like yeah. i mean I, I feel like i'm still kind of wading through that at the moment it's yeah. um you know going to kmart and purchasing your activewear versus going to um like rebel sport or something yeah, yeah. Well, no, if rebel's somewhere in the middle i find yeah. it kind of depends on what brand you're focusing yeah. on i've been getting lots of new balance stuff for some reason i don't yeah. know just it works anyway. it's 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 sort of in the more moderate price range as yeah. well isn't it yeah. yeah yeah but like you work that out over time and you, you know you will kind of um you you know i feel like it's sort of going a bit circular here but coming back to you know that that, that thing that we were talking about where you know it's the journey that should be the focus rather yeah. than those um that one primary goal or whatever which obviously is great as well um but part of you know working out all that stuff is you know part of the journey yeah. so you know engage in your learning experiences mm. experiment find what you can that works for you and and take note and heed of like you know and, and and reflect on that as you know coming back to something as simple as you know the the clothes that you buy for that lifestyle you know you might purchase something and it doesn't work and then six months later you get the better version of that that yeah. is a little bit more pricey that's your learning experience come learning. to life yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 exactly and that's something to go oh you know i'm making traction here in my development so yeah, yeah. Hmm. so starting out so we've discussed the idea of creating some sort of goal and the importance of adhering to it we've touched on uh, the real granular stuff like what to wear and what to take with you and we've also touched on the idea of minimizing the amount of barriers right at the beginning to uh, you introducing that habit change into your life of actually just going to the gym. What do you think were some other key uh, learnings or aspects of that habit change for you? Is there anything that comes to mind, even if it's super simple or maybe more deeply complex? So when you're doing the flip, like from the yeah. previous, you know, kind of hedonistic to mm. the more kind of focused, yeah. Um, you know, because I... I think about how long that period for me took and it was probably about one to two years I reckon mm. um, until I actually sort of came out on the other side so I guess the one thing I would like to acknowledge is that you know I did very much have a drinking problem that yeah. you know I'm now 16 months sober mm -hmm. which you know feels it's great huge, man. yeah it feels <laughs> great you know it's good you know oh, I should also acknowledge you that you know it's been quite challenging yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know it's um, not uh, been a super easy 16 months yeah yeah but the reason i point that out is that um one of as far as you know changing habits goes um one of the things that i had to acknowledge at the halfway point there while i was still drinking is that the you know the, the gym lifestyle that was developing and the drinking lifestyle I had were very much like two entities who just did not like each other in the least do you think you could uh, as an easy analogy uh, describe those as almost two separate personalities or two yeah. separate like characters within you absolutely i actually um without naming names because you know um these people might uh, are still in my life from years yeah. and years and ago i definitely watch this yeah yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah yeah well we'll be like it's gonna be huge yeah so, i'll, I'll yeah. probably i'll probably link this to them first and be like all right <laughs> yeah. mate yeah. Yeah. um but i remember back when i was about uh Oh, 17, I think. Yeah. Um, so only a couple of years ago. Yeah, one of them. I had a friend who met a newly developed friend, and they hated each other. Yeah. And it was awkward, and it was awful. And I, I hadn't developed enough life skill to kind of manage that. You so know? to clarify, they were 
two friends of yours who you introduced them to each other and they didn't like each other. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it was quite, I, you know, looking back now, I can see that I probably didn't negotiate the circumstances eloquently as I could have if a similar circumstance was to arise now. What kind of settings would they be interacting with each other? And I feel like at that age, it's like, yo, you want to come to this drinks this Friday? And then like they could sort of meet at like a party or something. Like yeah, that. well, one of the friends, you know, if I think about what our relationship was focused on, it was very much focused on getting high, you know, I was smoking yeah. a bit of weed. Yeah. The other one, not at all. Oh. Um, oh, that's very yeah, uh, already yeah. that's quite contradictory I didn't actually oh. realise how polarising that was until <laughs> the sentence not at all came out of my mouth and then and I was like, like drug use and against the drug use yeah yeah quite, especially uh, in that age demographic because yeah. your clicks are very very you know important yeah. um, or at least you feel they are yeah. um, and so the one that didn't smoke you know I remember he got a, a cut he was one of my early uh, friends who got a car before anyone else did so we used to go on driving missions and stuff like that and we'd listen to music and music was kind of vital to the three of us and i remember my friend who didn't smoke would want to listen to a particular type of music the other you guys one, want to hotbox the car and listen to something else yeah pretty much and um and i remember at one point the one that did smoke was like oh bro you should put this on and he would just be like no no, no we're gonna listen to and i was like they were, they were establishing um they were establishing their roles in it's my like life. A hierarchy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Who's and, the alpha dog? Yeah, yeah, and I was, um, I, I was very much a um, underdog at the time, but I also had a couple of people that I got quite close with who, I guess, viewed me as. Um, I, I mean, to this day, I can't even really appropriately describe it. But I definitely did have quite a, a central point in their life as being like a go-to and all that kind of thing. Like as in a, a mentor kind of figure? No, or? not at all, not at all. Like, more as like a, um, more as the opposite really. Like, like I had a lot of self-esteem issues. A bad influence figure? Uh, <laughs> nah. I, I had a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of confidence issues. And I think um, f for these particular friends, they, they found in me a way to, through comparison maybe feel a little bit more fulfilled in themselves uh, okay um yeah. through that, comparison <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's me you know using diplomatic language yeah, yeah 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 um you know looking back i hold no you know this is years ago well sorry only a couple of years yeah, ago yeah yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um but you know looking back now I, I you know hold no grudge or anything like that but coming back to the original question you know it very much did feel similar in that regard it was yeah. You know, when I was still drinking and then I joined the gym and I had mm. these two, you know, one of them smoked weed and the other one yeah. didn't. And it was trying to get them to, you know, eloquently um, form a symbiotic relationship with each other. So do you think at first you were trying to meet in the middle somewhere between like being able to uh, go to the gym, introduce this positive lifestyle change, but also uh, somehow work in the drinking and stuff as well? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I was trying to achieve balance. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing that's probably worth pointing out about the drinking is I didn't realise at the time, which most alcoholics wouldn't, how severe the problem actually was. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't acknowledge how bad it was. So, you know, when I say I was trying to achieve balance, I was trying to achieve balance under a model of not actually acknowledging how gravitational one of those things I was trying to balance was. Mm -hmm. And that would be like trying to fix a problem in a relationship without acknowledging 
the actual problem itself. And, and it's extremity too. Like there's a problem like you drink a couple of times a week or there's the problem where you drink like almost every day or every yeah. day and trying to establish balance between, okay, I drink a couple of times a week between between that and okay i drink almost every day the balance point in your head would be a lot different yeah absolutely yeah so it did as far as trying to balance it goes yeah i mean i did try and establish that and it very much i mean God, i'm trying to remember if there was a specific turning point i just knew that something didn't feel right i had moments where i recall um you know trying to gym through a hangover yeah um you know trying to to and thinking that you could do that and thinking that the session was actually like still okay you know like yeah, oh, i yeah. went to the gym anyway like at least i went yeah yeah exactly and, and not kind of realizing how non-optimal i was you know i've mm. i used to have a philosophy of um i think i can't even recall the exact wording but it was something along the lines of you know chase your euphoria yeah now i've got a philosophy of chase your optimal yeah um which is very much about those long-term decisions that get you to your optimal and that's you know your healthy diet healthy lifestyle and that's a holistic perspective too right yeah. like as a person how optimal could i be in every uh sphere or every sort of avenue in your life you know every yeah. component that makes you you and energy distribution is a big part of that you know yeah. how much energy do i want to put into that avenue so that this avenue is more yeah. optimal you know that kind of mm. thing but you know again as far as as far as the um original question goes you know getting those uh you know at what point did i kind of end up sliding one way or the other um yeah i mean it was just time and, and picking up on the patterns mm. you know i I remember at the end of my um, at the end of my drinking career, how my drinking tenure. Because <laughs> you um, said you it was a profession too. At the beginning, you noted it as a profession. Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I considered yeah. myself a professional. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, I've come to describe myself that way. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's got a, a sort of deprecative, comical mm. avenue to it. Obviously, still acknowledging the seriousness of it, and that it is very much a continued, uh, continual issue for. A lot of people mm -hmm. but when, when I was trying to sort of reflect on that period of my life I did feel like it was you know because I do hear a lot of people reference you know former alcoholic you know um, recovering alcoholic or, you a, know a large part of their identity is the component yeah. of being an alcoholic yeah yeah absolutely and I think about the way I treated it in terms of um, marrying it up with my day-to-day -day kind of uh routine and making sure that it was always time for yeah. it it felt like i approached it the same you way prioritized it yeah, yeah yeah it felt like a profession in a way yeah. um obviously it was incredibly sloppy and and, and you did get paid for it either. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but that, that, that's the way i've come back to describe it but that i guess the the tipping point was um you're picking up on those patterns identifying that you know that the, the, the twain weren't seeing eye to eye with each other mm. um there was one particular session i do recall um i was just really really sluggish really yeah. really sloppy um was this after a night drinking i think i'd even had a few beers at lunch oh yeah no. which, yeah yeah <laughs> um and, you know because i kind of in my head at the time thought to myself oh you know it'll just be the same as having like a really large meal yeah um because it's you know a lot of carbs and all that kind of thing but it just it kind of stung me how much it was like man this just i'm not it's a toxin to the body oh, I'm it's not, not the same as eating 200 grams of rice yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it was very um it was very jarring yeah um so that was kind of one point but definitely when i actually did kick booze and get sober i think that that's when it started to change 
a lot more drastically. So to me that sounds like a really uh, spiritual sort of journey and I think in terms of habit change, a lot of the time it actually requires like a spiritual epiphany like that almost. You know, and it might not be uh, the case of uh, being an alcoholic or, you know, drinking alcohol. It might be like, damn, I'm 140 kilos. I could have a heart attack at any time now. Mm. You know, I got to do this for me. And that's earlier when I was speaking about external versus internal motivation. That's not someone being like, you're 140 kilos. You know, you really need to do something about that. That's coming from within you being like, man, I really need to sort myself out. And it's a spiritual, like, it's a deep thing. Yeah. It's not just yeah. being like, oh man, I should go to the gym and get in shape. So if you can find something like that, that's super powerful. I think, I think also for a lot of people, it can be event driven. Yeah. Like, you know, within the same uh, spiritual description that you just put yeah. on the table. But when I say event driven, like something particular might happen. Shredded for R&B? Yeah. Or you mean like a health scare? No, I mean a health scare. <laughs> oh, okay. Shredded yeah. for R&B? Yeah. It's an event, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think if you were... Um, looking at R&V as a motivation, the idea would be to get more practice in drinking mm. rather than... Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. you got to find a good balance between getting shredded but also getting good at drinking. Exactly, yeah, yeah. 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 No, but event is in like, you know, something that might scare you a little mm. bit. I won't get into specifics, but I did yeah. have one of those events and yeah. um, it gets you so close to the edge that you kind of like ski yourself back yeah. and you go, oh, I just, I can't have this as a value anymore. Yeah. You change as well, you know your resilience isn't what it used to be you you don't have that natural youthful resilience that can um carry you through a hangover yeah um you know re with you know a real simplicity mm. and you you have to pay attention to that you have to listen to your body which is you know got its own language yeah. it's yearning for something to change um and i think one thing that's probably with uh, putting on the table as far as that topic goes that'll serve as a reminder to some I'd imagine if um, they are finding that kind of balance a little bit challenging is sometimes you're also just not ready yeah you know I, I mean I look back at the experience I had um, during the times when I did try and quit and move away but I ended up sticking with it for whatever reason mm -hmm. um, I've talked about this quite a lot recently actually because you know part of when you do step away from from booze if you've got an issue with it is that you end up facing a, a you know a minefield of regret yeah really really stinging regret you know because you, you you've numbed your emotions so much as well so suddenly you've got this emotional flood coupled with the realization the horror of some of the decisions that you made um but yeah you you find a way to kind of um identify that that, that maybe you weren't ready during those previous failures yeah. and that again coming back to what we were talking about earlier where you know part of the journey is identifying those incremental days you might they are part of that bigger yeah. process you i think i attempted to to quit three times before i finally achieved it mm -hmm. and now i look back on those times where i didn't succeed as being absolutely um critical yeah and in the, in the overall experience. what do you think in terms of that uh habit change what was different the the most recent time that you've quit and been successful versus the uh, previous times? Well, there was the event driver. Um, so there was a particular event that, that scared me a bit, but as far as keeping it more to um, the specific topic, mm. um, you know, transitioning to a gym lifestyle and, and in this case, transitioning from one habit to another, um, I, I was looking at the high level drivers, you know, with, with boozing, for example, it, it does require energy. It does require commitment. It does require um, 
intimacy yeah. with, 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 the, uh, with the substance. Mm. Um, those three descriptions are, are quite broad level, you know. Um, the, the, they're descriptions that you could apply to any other number of relationships, including the relationship that you might have with the gym, mm -hmm. you know. So it was, it was, a, it was like a an energy rejuncturing. I realised those were the drivers, the drivers above that that negative habit I had. I just rejunctured that energy over into the into the gymming lifestyle. And, you know, I actually want to take this a bit more seriously. I no longer have that energy being, you know, uh, being um, junctured away into. It makes me think about train tracks. You know, you can pull a lever and it like turns the train tracks to another one. Yeah, sort absolutely. of like those uh, energy things are sort of just diverted onto another track. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, you, that's exactly what it is. You've just mm. diverted that. You've identified what the, the high level driver is. And that is at its basic core, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of energy. Mm. And what you've done is essentially just rejunctured, reshifted, you know, changed the direction that that, that, that energy is um, going in. Because would you say when it comes to an addiction like that, that actually sometimes the habit is actually uh, more of the addiction than the actual substance? So like, I don't know, coffee, if we're using something that wasn't, you know, drugs or alcohol coffee okay every morning i have a coffee at 9 a.m do you think that you're addicted to the habit of like being able to get up from your desk or like go out to a cafe or something as opposed to the actual substance that you're consuming like could it, could that be substituted with something else but it's actually the habit that is like the yeah, driving force a hundred percent and i think um i think it's probably worth me really staking that with um some emphatic energy like a hundred percent you know yeah. it, when I quit, and I'm, I'm, I have absolutely no doubt that others have gone through this experience, one of the things that I realized I missed the most about um, booze was, you know, my description of it is the theater of it. Yeah. And when I say the theater of it, like, I mean the, um, the making a drink, you know, mixing a drink up. involved. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, that is part of that, that, that broader description that you just mm. put on the table there of, you know, is the kind of associated associated elements just as much part of the addiction as the actual substance itself yeah. and so you know you you know i had a lot of experiences there that um that really reminded me of that um yeah. and, and environments a particularly big part of that as well you know is your environment kind of triggering those like those if you're in a flooding environment like i was flooding for a few years and it's really common to go out each weekend. Yeah. And I can imagine that trying to kick the habit of drinking by being in an environment where everyone around you is drinking and that's the lifestyle, that would make it a lot more challenging than if you were living in an environment where uh, you weren't really surrounded by alcohol and the activities that sort of also surround you. wouldn't have that association that's yeah. constantly reminding you. And, you know, we've talked about the power of habit in this conversation yeah. quite a lot. But, like, um, this would be a perfect example, you know, for, for those that have been watching this uh, this footage, mm. they'll probably see me drinking from the coffee cup and the, mm. and the water glass quite a lot. I openly acknowledge that that comes back to my alcoholism. Like it's you're an emotion there. Yeah. It's a cognitive motion. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very much associated with that habitual routine that you mm. had surrounding the, the, the broader state of drinking and, and what that means to your body. Yeah. And I think that when you remove one component of that, which is the actual substance itself. You're gonna have you're gonna have a really uh, tricky time kind of finding ways to maneuver mm. that conditioning yeah. that you've got. You know, I um, 
having playing around with it on a psychological level quite a lot lately, I've ended up buying uh, non-alcoholic gin. And I'm kind of, I'm trying to um, trick myself yeah. into believing it's still getting that same routine that it used to when I was drinking because every component of it is directly the same other than the fact that the actual mm. alcohol is in present. There reminds me of those placebo tests where they have a, a test in a control group and one is actually drinking alcohol and the other one isn't. And the other one still feels like they're drunk because they've gone through the same um, steps uh, that the people that you would normally have when you are drinking alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, this is where we need a fact checker. I can't quite remember the name of it. Mm. Um, the, the the experiment with the dog, where you know, you ring the bell and they ask for the treat, and mm. um, it's conditioning through repetition. Yeah. Um, I can guarantee ninety nine percent of people watching this will know what I'm talking about. Mm. It escapes me right now. Um, and I don't apologise for creating frustration for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool, dude. Yeah. 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 Well, we've all got blind spots. Okay, we've all got blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's very similar to that. You know, like you've you, the, one of the moments where I realised it was particularly difficult was when I went to, um, you know, funnily enough, I actually found bars okay. Yeah. You know, I found bars reasonably easy to transition into because, like, I grew up a lot in bars when I wasn't drinking, so there was that early nostalgic memory. Yeah. Um, but when I went to a house party around New Year's, um, oh, it triggered something something yeah. awful you know it was, I found it quite difficult to navigate um, I ended up leaving quite early which I always knew I was probably going to now because everyone was getting on it um, but yeah it, it is very much a um, it is a very much a behaviour behaviour surrounding the substance as it is the substance itself and so you know again coming back to that that primary um, that primary theme of how do we transition from that lifestyle into a into a gym lifestyle you can you can use those energy conduits to your advantage mm. learning how to control them mm. and maintain them as its own skill and it's mm. certainly something i'm trying to experiment and, and establish myself but i firmly believe that once you can control them in a, in a, in a very governed sense mm. you are going to have a far more success in establishing those mm. routines it makes you think of a couple of things first is that um acknowledging that there's grander things at play when it comes to habit change you know it's not as simple as just like slotting it into your routine and like choosing the gym that you want to go to like there's grander things at play in terms of uh, what motivate you and what's going to actually push you to make that habit change yeah and then oh man creating the association yeah. as well you know that period where you first you're like all right i've identified this as an energy driver all right this is what i'm going to start uh juncturing their energy too, you know, my, my new healthy lifestyle. There's going to be a period where it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, you're just going to be like, oh, it doesn't feel mm. as easy as it was to buy a habit, go and pour a beer, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that then comes back to what we were saying about, you know, those negative habits being infinitely easier than those mm. positive ones you develop. You've got to push through that. Yeah. You know, you got to really work through that. Mm. And you will still have weeks. I had a week this week, you know, my... Um, awareness that we were running the session on Saturday coupled with um, a website release which is tomorrow um, has created an absolute flurry of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, depression like it has been a pretty awful chaos. week. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But again you know self-awareness knowing that that is part of the process that that's yeah. your your ego and your fear kind of mm. triggering a, a, a um, very primitive response mm. based on the fact that you're about to undergo a path that hasn't mm. been um, explored before and, and just keep pushing yeah. you know yeah I don't know how to come across 
or describe these things without sounding very contradictory. It's like having the um, willpower to pursue or to continue when things get difficult, but also um, when it comes to the gym, giving yourself a little bit of leniency because sometimes maybe it's not actually a day where you should go to the gym, you know? And so the contradiction there is like push through when it gets hard, but also sometimes give yourself a break. You know, because when we think about the gym, ideally we want to be going to the gym for the rest of our lives, you know, we want to be engaging in that positive activity. So one day out of a week, we feel like really shitty or under the weather or whatever, and you don't go, maybe that's actually a good thing. You know, you might be, might be doing some sort of recovery process in that time instead of pushing through. But I think you can't just always not go when you don't feel super motivated and energized to go. Yeah, I don't know how right. to give out the perfect formula to find that balance, but you need to push through when it's difficult. But sometimes you also need to cut yourself some slack, especially at the beginning where you're um, going through that habit change. I think yeah. acknowledging that um, the formula isn't going to be one size fits all. It's going to mm. be... Um, down to you individually. So Being agile. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, everyone's gonna you know, we've talked, you know, at some length about, you know, the the incremental days being part of the overall process and, mm. and you know, focusing on the journey and all that kind of thing. Um, but part of that process would be working out what days so you've got two types of bad days right you've got a day where and let's look at it from um the mental health scope because you know you've got people that constantly use the gym as like a um as a depression management tool yeah. and they're going to have days where they just don't want to get out of bed um and it's going to fall into one or two categories it's going to fall into the category of is this a day where it's more appropriate for me to stay at home and have a kind of um a reset day yeah or is it more appropriate and beneficial for me to force myself out yeah. to go to the gym? There is no answer to that. And it you takes know, time it, to yeah. gauge when you should do either. I think more often than not, it's more important that you push through and go. Because if you're just trying to um, uh, ignite the spark with motivation every single time, you're not going to feel motivated every single day. Correct. Yeah. And like, if you only been on the days you're motivated, you might only go once yeah. a fortnight, you yeah, know, yeah. once a month. Yeah. Okay. I feel good today. Let's yeah, do yeah, this. Absolutely. So yeah. I think that my advice there for those that are having that experience and it, it, you know, depression might not be the thing that's preventing you. It might mm. just be that you're having a shitty day or whatever, yeah. you know, just Your if, laziness. You've got, <laughs> if you've got some kind of barrier in front of you, that's making yeah. you question whether or not it's a not go day, for the benefit or go day for the benefit then you just got to try both and yeah. and make a conscious kind of note of the experience mm. and then over time you'll develop a pattern mm. you know you, you'll or rather you'll be able to identify a pattern like mm. which experience resulted in a positive yield mm. versus which resulted in a negative yield you and know not to throw in another element of complexity here but it might be the case that you almost meet in the middle you know, especially at the beginning, it's like, oh man, I feel kind of average, so I don't feel like going, but it's like, okay, I'll go, but maybe I'll only do uh, four exercises instead of like, I don't know, six exercises, or I might just do 20 minutes of cardio instead of like 40 minutes of cardio. Yeah. So it's kind of that you're still um, getting there, but you're 
like you've set the expectation a little bit lower so that you actually still get there yeah. instead of just not going at all. And then you you know you mentioned that earlier, you're still in that routine of actually yeah. physically getting to the place. And, and sometimes when you get there, you actually are like, oh man, I actually feel real good and end up having a good session and you thank yourself for um, persevering and pushing through that initial yeah. barrier. Once you've, once you've identified those patterns as well, those patterns get um, archived in your instinctive framework references Ooh, how is that you know, like you 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 know identifying patterns are critical in the development of your instinct because that's what your instinct will use as a reference point when it's trying to work out which way to swing you know you, you, for me my instinct works in quite a um in quite a delayed manner. And if I've got something presented to me and I kind of, well, sometimes you know straight away whether it's good or a bad idea. Yeah. Other times you're not too sure. So you've got to kind of, you've got to kind of let it sit there for a little bit and, and then come back to it. So my, my methodology there is to, to um, forget about the thing that's been posed to me. And then the moment it comes back to mind, what's my first mm. instinctive response the moment I remember it? Not yeah. when I've analysed it, just the moment it hits me. Mm. That's my instinct. Mm. That's how it works. And how that instinct usually works is like in a really quick period of time as it references back to those patterns that you've archived. And so coming back to the, you know, is it a day where I shouldn't or I should go? You're just going to, you're going to create a pattern over time that will be used in reference by mm. your instinct. And then after maybe 12, 24 months of going, mm. You can then ask yourself, is this a debt? Yeah, boom. Yeah. And that's why it's also important in terms of when you're setting up your, your plan or your structure, is at the beginning, have the goal of just going like twice a week or like once a week even, you know, something where it's more realistic for you to go because you see that silver lining or the light at the end of the tunnel of not having to go tomorrow, yeah. you know? And even physically, it's more realistic for your body to adjust to something like that, doing one full body session a week than being like, okay, I'm starting at the gym, I'm going six days a week, I'm doing a muscle group split where I'm going chest, shoulders, legs, you know? So it's like that that mental uh, thing of uh, being motivated or actually being able to adhere to the plan and also the physical like adaptation as well. You know, if you haven't gone to the gym before, you're gonna be sore after you train, especially if you do just a leg day or if you do just a chest day or something like that. Yeah, no, mm. I completely agree, mm. yeah. It feels like a good place to round yeah, it up, yeah. I think so, man. Yeah. This has been a good chat. Yeah, no. I'm stoked for our first episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think um, I hope everyone enjoys it. Mm. Should um, yeah, things come come out good. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. All right, done, Nice. So the lights don't turn off then either. That's pretty good.